eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome into a post-game edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. And tonight, very lucky to be joined by D Magazine's Robert Tiffin at Robert Tiffin to talk about tonight's Stars loss five to four against the Leafs. How are you, my friend? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, you know, all things considered, it's good. Hockey's back, right? It was a long break, so it's good to have yeah, good absolutely. To have the stars I mean, it is tough to go back to back, you know, coming at coming out of that, you know, lengthy uh break. You know, caught a good one against Buffalo where your goalie won you the game. And, uh, you know, tonight just, so I fight this and I'm being real here as I want to be real as a podcast, Robert. And so I tweeted out very nicely before the game that this was a tough matchup. Basically what I was saying is I felt as though the stars were going to lose this game. Um, so I want to be real with the spits and suds listeners, but I don't want to come across negative. And I think there's a fine line there. I just think, and we've talked about this on spits and suds that stylistically there are matchups throughout the NHL and they posted it on, you know, television during the game that facts prove that, you know, stylistically the Leafs just are not a good matchup for this stars team. It, it, I mean, that's borne out by the numbers too, right? It yeah. seems like it seems like forever. It's certainly been at least a couple a couple years since the Stars have won in Toronto. It might even be pre-COVID. I don't know since they were playing a lot of games in the bubble and all that. But it's been way too long. And yeah, there's something extra frustrating. You know, it reminds me a little bit of when like the Texas Rangers would play the Yankees, and it always seemed like no matter where the Yankees Point. were, if they were kind of on the downslope or they were kind of at the top, you always felt kind of like, come on, you know, they should be able to beat these guys. And there's always a lot of frustration there. And, you know, even as flawed as the Leafs are, and, you know, a lot, the Canadian press is great about telling that story. It always seems like the stars come up short against them. Yeah. And Mike Heike tried to ask this question after the game, and I don't know how much it related, but it is interesting. And it's funny you mentioned the Yankees, because when you play teams like the Yankees in baseball or when teams play the Dallas Cowboys, there's always that ramped up effort. And when you look at the, the stars is a squad. Uh, you know, I don't have it off the top, but I think six players are from the Ontario area. And I, I just wonder, you know, if that creeps into their head and the extra pressure, you know, of playing against Toronto in Toronto, the Mecca of hockey. It was just a, you know, it's just a thought and it's always cool when they, uh, when they play Toronto, but I, 
thought the stars played a real good first period, Robert. And then I think the Leafs changed their style. And I thought the Leafs brought out the physicality. That fourth line of Toronto didn't play much at all during the first period. And they threw them out there in the second and the third. And I thought it was a difference maker. I thought that the Leafs kind of got their legs through physicality. Yeah, in the first period, one thing I noticed is that it 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 looked like, you know, again, watching on TV, I always want to be careful because you're not seeing the whole ice all the time. But it's really, really jumped out at me that the Stars really frequently had a guy at the far blue line, like a stretching the zone, they call it. So that kind of forces the Leafs to have at least one guy back there, right, making sure that guy isn't wide open for a breakaway, which means that for when the Stars are trying to exit the zone, they had the option of a, of a long stretch, stretch pass there. But it also meant there was more room breaking out from their own blue line. And it seemed like that worked really, really well for the Stars because they were getting tons of chances in transition, depending on, you know, whose scoring chances you track or whatever. It was something like, you know, five chances for the Stars for every one of the Leafs or something like that in the first period. So in, in a sense, it felt almost it felt almost a shame for them only to be up 2-1 after a period in which they really more or less dominated the Leafs, um, yeah. especially at 5-on-5. Five five. But, of course, it only took a few seconds in the power play for the Leafs to, to keep things close. Yeah, let's start there. Joel Hanley gets the start. Nils Lundqvist sits. Um, I mean, hindsight 2020, but I don't know if Nils Lundqvist would have been any worse tonight. <laughs> you know, I just felt as though, yeah. I mean, high sticks are going to happen, but you know, one thing against this Leafs team, you just can't take penalties, you know, or you have to yep. reduce them. You know, I mean, they're just so talented. Even if they're down on the power play, there's just too much talent on the ice. Um, they spread themselves out well. They play so well together. Um, you know, maybe Tavares had his best game of the year. Um, you know, he's been absent from, from this Leafs team. But, yeah, I mean, just when the Stars committed the penalties, you know, three for three, it, it is interesting that a penalty kill that was so good, Robert, all of a sudden has done, you know, just the opposite now. And it just, it's amazing how many goals are being let up. Yeah, the penalty kill has to, you know, I mean, they, they, DeBoer was pretty clear about it in the post game too, that that was a, a big, a big problem tonight. I mean, anyone looking at numbers can tell you three for three is bad. Uh, it doesn't take too much math to do that. Uh, but it was also the way they did it. It didn't even take long. It wasn't like, oh, they, you know, had shots from the point they were generating stuff and, and, you know, they just went through or they found a hole. It, it did. They, they had three penalties. Toronto did, and they scored on all of them. So that should be six minutes, right? For two, three uh, minor penalties, they were they only spent a minute and 50 seconds on the power play because Amazing. they were scoring so quickly. I mean, that's like, it's only taking, you know, 30, 40 seconds to score on a power play. That's, again, you know, maybe there's some film going on there where they've they scouted the Stars PK. The, the numbers I think I, I saw are something like the Stars opponents are eight for 13 in the last few games. And in fact, the, before tonight, the last game the Stars had lost was against the Islanders who yep. just didn't get a single power play. So, you know, credit to the stars. They've been fighting through this for a while. It's one of those mm -hmm. things where like, sometimes it catches up to you, right? They've been found ways yep. to fight through giving up power play goals and the penalty kill being leaky, but it hasn't really been a focus too much. It's kind of been there. You know, you've heard people talking about it, but tonight it really felt like the, the check came or the bill came due a little bit and uh, they didn't have enough, they didn't have enough elsewhere to compensate for it. Yeah, I felt as though this would be a quality win against a good opponent. Nothing against Buffalo. I know they won two in a row prior, but, you know, they're not in the playoff chase. And they just don't have the stars that uh, Toronto has, although a lot of them are, you know, coming up. 
Um, so I thought tonight would be a real nice uh, win. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I feel as though the penalty kill has kind of not been talked about due to the team playing well. One of the other aspects that I think hasn't really been talked about is the effectiveness of quality teams first line against the stars. Mm -hmm. That that's a really good point. And it's especially because the stars, you know, it wasn't that long ago when the stars were, were that really top heavy team, like the Leafs, right. Where I think yep. that I saw a graphic tonight where Thomas Harley would rank like fourth on the Leafs entire team and goal scored or, or fifth or something. Cause you have the big four for Toronto with, with, you know, Marner and, Matthews and uh, Nylander and Tavares and then Harley be right behind Tavares um, on the team and scoring so they're really top heavy but the thing is the top is really heavy Matthews has 40 goals already right I mean it's just or 30 or whatever it's just ridiculous right so when you're when you're that top heavy it can get you places just like the stars used to have with uh, you know Ben Sagan and Radulov a few years back and then uh, you know Hintz and Pavelski and Robertson for a couple of years and uh, you know tonight would have been a great night for for Hintz or Robertson to to step yeah, up and get yeah. just one to balance that out because like you said these these teams when their top line gets going for whatever reason it does seem it does seem to to shake the stars a little bit yeah jason robertson with just an assist wyatt johnston uh with a goal mm -hmm. and uh rope hints uh with uh, zeros across the board at a minus one on the ice so you know, and i thought i thought johnston had a really good first period too he was looking really good he was fighting yep. for pucks i think he really had a good game but that line overall, and I, I really tend to think that of those three that you mentioned, yeah, I, I think that Hints and Robertson kind of stick out as uh, Robertson in particular, maybe as not having their strongest game, which is unfortunate because Hints really looked like he was ready to go. He was generating yeah. a lot of stuff tonight. Yeah, on that game breaking goal, which made it four to three. Um, actually got a, a nice text from Luds and you know, he showed me Mason Marchment completely lost his man. Oh, on it was game. bad. It was bad. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Oh man. Marchment. I, I wrote Marchment's name down in kind of my post game notes here because Tough night. You know, he was, his name was coming up a lot. Uh, I'll give mm -hmm. him that. You know, he was, he was going back and forth with McCabe, right? He, he took a, a high stick yep. and a bad cross check from McCabe early. And then he kind of got him back with a, with a late hit that wasn't called and, you know, it bloodied McCabe pretty good. Right. And then, uh, then it was kind of, you know, uh, open season on Marchment for the rest of the Leafs. And it seemed like at that point sure that Marchment had a couple mistakes where he wasn't ready for a putt coming his way, or he seemed to be thinking more about that, you know, from an outsider's perspective, right. He seemed to be thinking more about that than about positioning and lanes. Agreed. And, and that really costs you when, when you're a top six player, uh, you, you have to have your head in the game, especially a game like that, where it was seesawing so much, that's all it takes, right? One moment like that and all the momentum you just got from the Dadanoff penalty shot is totally gone. Yeah, I love the fire of Jake McCabe tonight. I mean, boy, I he's only 30 years old. I feel like Jake McCabe's been in the league for a long time. Yeah. He, um, has that, he has that, uh, you know, that dad strength about him, right? Where you just figure he's the the old, old bull, young bull sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as I look at it right now, he's been in the league 11 years, so he has been in there um, uh, uh, for a while. But I, I will say this, and maybe analytics will tell me, you know, Gavin, you're too old school. And Robert, I will say you're so good at analytics. Uh, that's why I love following you and having you on the pod. I do feel as though if you're getting pushed around, you have the tendency then to go where you're not necessarily um, the physicality is less. And toward the end of the game, 
I just felt as though the stars were taking a lot of shots from the outside and, you know, not necessarily, you know, causing major scrums in front of the net. I felt as though all the late shots, even though Wyatt Johnston got one through, you know, they were all pretty much from the outside. Yeah, I think part of that is the Leafs. I think they did, like you were saying, they just they made some adjustments after the first period considering how badly the Stars were kind of outskating them. And so I think they adjusted their neutral zone positioning. And they also, uh, when they got the lead later in the third period, they were also keeping, keeping a forward back a little bit more or higher in the zone, right, when they were in the offensive zone. So it was harder for the Stars to find their way through as opposed to earlier when the Leafs were forechecking harder. Once the Stars turned it over, they were able to go pretty quickly. Yep. Um, and so when you get those lanes open and, early and then they're closed later, I think that is the natural tendency to think, oh, I guess I just need to skate faster and find those nice open lanes we had earlier uh, when really, yeah, you kind of need to buckle down at that point and, you know, find a way or make a way. Right. Um, and instead it seemed like, it seemed like they were a little reluctant to do that partly because that's how the stars play under Pete DeBoer. They're really big on generating a good quality chance. He doesn't want him just, you know, skating the puck down the wall to the, to the red line and just toss it into traffic out front. He, he really wants them to, to generate actual chance. And, you know, that's worked well for him this year, but that was the time right, where you, you want to see someone like Marchment, right? You want to see a big body up in front of the net really fighting to actually find yep. something. And they had a few times where there were pucks. There was one, I think it was about two or three minutes left, there was a puck sitting right by the left post uh, by Samsonov. And you, you were just waiting for one of them to find it, but they were they just couldn't they just couldn't get to it, partly because, you know, they're occupied with the other very large men <laughs> battling them in front. But, yeah, yeah. I, that, that's crucial, especially in those situations. And that you, you just see more of that in the playoffs, too. Yeah, also hated to see when the Stars were killing a penalty. Hockenpah had the puck. Um, Toronto came from behind, picked it, and it resulted in a goal. Um, I know he didn't have, like, a lot of time to clear it, but, you know, the opportunity was there probably. And, you know, really solid career from Yanni Hockenpah. But at, at this point, Robert, I mean, if they do acquire a defenseman, I know there's the, you know, Hanley Lundquist and everything, but for everyone that doesn't like Ryan Suter, I'm clearly playing Ryan Suter over Yanni Hockenpah. It, yeah, it's all about roles because it worked well earlier in the season, right? And sure they did. always said if you could put Suter on the third pair, you know, with Lundqvist or someone yep. like that, and then if you you get enough from, from your middle pairing, right, and then you have your top pairing be really dynamic with, you know, and that's what they're they're saying about Harley, right? You hear that pretty consistently, that as long as things hold together, then they can afford to keep Harley and, and Haskinen together. But it seems like, you know, the cracks are starting to show. I mean, really, I think it was Saad Yusuf who, who tweeted after the game that it's essentially if you're not getting great penalty kill contribution from the Lindell Hockenpah pairing, then what are you getting from them? Because it, you're not getting at five on five. Certainly tonight they were they were by far the Stars' worst worst defense pair at five on five, at least in terms of, you know, when they were having to defend shots. Of course, they're going to start in the defensive zone more, but but they they weren't transitioning the puck the other way very much either overall. It was it was the Stars were getting hemmed in a little bit with them. And I mean, the, but the thing is, Ryan Suter isn't a solution on that second pair either. You can't really put him with Lindell Correct. because he's, he's not much faster or anything like that either at this point in the year or at this point in his career either. And, you know, certainly as the year goes on, he gets worn down. So you just come back to the same thing we've talked about for a lot of the season, which is that the stars need something on D. They need more on D and you could move the pieces yeah. around that you have now. You can you can kind of hope and pray that Niels Lundqvist turns into a top four piece, but it seems pretty clear that either in the coach's perspective or in reality or both, he probably isn't going to be threatening a top four spot this year, which means they need help. And, uh, you know, we've been saying it for a while. 
Yeah, on the post pod last night, uh, Jordan, a big Spits and Suds listener, uh, really sent a nice, well thought out tweet. And he said, What about Eric Johnson um, from Buffalo? And yeah, he's a right handed defenseman, but he's a third pairing defenseman <laughs> on Buffalo. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love the thinking bigger defenseman, lots of NHL experience, won a cup in Colorado. However, I also look at it and say, okay, that's not solving my problem as far as pairing with a Haskinen or, you know, a Thomas Harley and kind of providing that depth. That's right. Um, so I think, you know, that's, you know, if, if we want to give like a late round pick, sure. That's, that's not some bad defensive depth and he's a bigger guy, but I just don't think that solves the, the issue that the stars uh, uh, have right now. Yeah, I think I think if you had to had to really reduce it, then you would say probably of the star six defensemen right now, you 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 can see your way to Essa Lindell being a being a solid second pairing defenseman. I think it's fair to say that you could have a championship team with Essa Lindell on your second defense pairing, but his defense partner needs to have a a, a skill set kind of like Thomas Harley. I mean, Thomas Harley is unique. He's he's fantastic. He's really good. You don't there aren't a lot of Thomas Harleys out there, and the ones that are aren't available, but. You need a defenseman who's a little bit more mobile and also has size. They they tried the Lindell Lundquist pairing a few different times, and it just hasn't clicked for whatever reason. You know the coaches would be able to tell you, um, and the numbers kind of bear it out though. It hasn't been all that successful. So you need a pairing. You know a Stephen Johns, right? Uh, oh, for Stephen Johns to have, oh, have his career go a different way because he would be the perfect person to have on that pairing, right? He was never going to be a, a top pairing defenseman. I mean, maybe, but you know they always wanted him with Haskinen. But he's a top four defenseman always. He, he always was and he would that's the sort of player you'd love to put next to Lindell and they could yeah. soak up a lot of minutes they don't need to you know win you a ton of games but they're definitely going to prevent you from losing a ton of games so uh you might have heard me um throw out the name Adam Larson from Seattle yeah um good I, player uh, yeah good player uh solid good size six three uh right hand is shot 12 points in 50 games but he's a plus four on the ice um you know me, I love my plus minuses. <laughs> hey, Dodonov was a plus three tonight, which is an accomplishment, which is an accomplishment in a five-four loss. <laughs> uh, but I do think like when you talk about those categories, I do feel as though Adam Larson fills that void. You have to worry about the salary, and he does have next year as well. So you are getting him next year, which would be nice. However, that means the price tag goes up a little bit. And the question is, is is Seattle making a run or do they want to dump some of their players or do they want to keep Adam? Larson around next year, but that's kind of the player I'm looking at. A guy who, you know, for Seattle, I mean, you know, logs a lot of minutes on the ice and is just, you know, solid. I mean, I'm looking at his um, last few games. Uh, let's see, 22 minutes, 24 minutes, uh, 25 minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, Adam Larson can play a lot of minutes. Uh, I just think the question is, is what's the price tag if there is a price tag at all? But, you know, that's kind of the player that I'm looking at that's more solid defensively will allow, you know, more of an offensive game from that other side, um, you know, and at at the same time knows where to be and is not going to get caught. So, yeah, I mean, he'd be a great fit. And but the question then is, okay. What what would Seattle want to move him? Because there, every team would love Adam Larson. First round so pick. Come back to the same thing. They'd want a first round pick, and yeah. you probably need like a, a Matej Blumel or, or yeah. someone. Or I mean, at best, right? That that's probably their fourth strongest prospect maybe in the system right now, um, and that's at best, right? But if you're Seattle, you ask for a top three, right, for Bixel or or one of the one of yeah. the Cedar Park kids, um, and I mean, yeah, first round pick. The Stars are already thin on picks, but now feels like the time, right? 
And also you have to ask yourself if this is really the piece the stars need, that everything else seems pretty much in place, right? If this is mm -hmm. the piece the stars need, Thomas Harley's there, you get you get uh, Larson, you could even you know toy with the idea of put him up with Haskin and right and move, and move Harley down to the second pairing with Liddell yeah. or whatever you want to do. I'd, I don't know that I'd do that. Even tonight, Harley and Haskin looked really, really good for much of the game. I just love that pairing. But, yeah, I like uh, it too. You have to ask yourself, basically, it's going to have almost like a Joe Newendike type price, right? Where you're trading a young Jerome McGinley. That's sort of a, a, good point. a price. And you have to ask yourself, how sure are you that Adam Larson will be, you know, that Joe yeah. Newendike type piece, right? He's not quite to that former superstar tier kind right. of Newendike, but on the other hand, he's a defenseman and he's a really good one. So, right. And what I like is, is that if it's not this year, at least you have him next year as well. Yes. Yes. So, so that I, does I, feel I, a little bit more like a Jim Neal move in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like uh, filling that void. So, you know, Spits and Suds listeners, just keep an eye on that. All right. We do have some this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Some questions because people knew Robert Tiffin was coming on and they said, heck yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brett at DLG FTW says Ooh, five quick points. <laughs> this is good. One, that's enough. Hanley Two, that's enough. Hockepa. Three, one of Marchman's worst games with Dallas Four, Nick was the better Robertson five. Why is Miro seem to be playing 80, 90% of all power play time while Harley sits. I will hand it over to you, sir. Uh, well, the, to take the last point first, I'm I'm pretty sure that Miro played. Uh, I mean, he's he's there on the first unit. Harley's been yeah. lately been on the second, but I I think Harley was still getting. He he still played. They had what six and change, seven minutes yeah. total in the power play, and I think Harley still played two or three minutes in the power play. So I mean, he's he's solidly getting those second pairing minutes that Ryan Suter was getting last year, um, and that's that's good. That feels appropriate. That seems right. So uh, I that I don't I don't. I think uh, I think Brad needs to get his facts straight on on question number yeah. five. Um, Interested you know. to see though with Haskin and not playing on the kill if they try to make that switch to slow down the momentum from the other teams. It's yeah. a lot of minutes. It's it is a lot of minutes, but again, these are now's the time, right? I mean, we saw it with Haskin yeah. and when he first came up five years, no, seven years ago, six seven years ago, in that uh, or wait, it was uh, eighteen nineteen. Sorry, eighteen nineteen season. He was playing tons of minutes right away. Because because Jim Montgomery and then Rick Bonus and years after saw he could handle him and Harley so far is showing he can handle it. He gets into overtime, he's still got gas, right? He he can still go. So as long as he shows he can do it, I think if you're Pete DeBoer, especially given the other options you have, you you keep going to that. I still like the idea of keeping Haskin and off the PK more or less, just because that's not really, you know, he's great, right? His his IQ and his skating is great, but the PK is the one area that skating isn't necessarily as crucial. So. Why not? Why not save him some some wear and tear and save him for in the last two and a half minutes of the game when you want him out there the yeah. entire time if you're trailing or if you're winning for that matter. No, absolutely. Uh, Christopher DeHardy at C DeHardy as penalty kill more like penalty life. Got to work on keeping the pucks out 
when they've got the one-man advantage. Great to see Dodonov get two goals tonight. You know, I didn't bring that up. That's a great point, Christopher. I thought as though the Leafs had some really good chances when the Stars were on the power play. They had the, they had that one power play after it was two two where yeah. they had three chances on the same yeah. power play. I think Wedgwood made a save on Matthews on a two on one with Marner. I think it was. Right. And Matthews is right in the doorstep, and Wedgwood made the save, but he was like facing the half wall when he made the save. He was turned like sideways, <laughs> yeah. but made the save. So that was the moment, right, as a fan, where you kind of think, "Oh man, maybe it's their night. Maybe okay, all right, finally, this is the time when we finally turn Toronto on its head." Uh, but no such luck. Yeah, absolutely. The other one, and it's one thing to get a scoring chance, but on one of those three, they kept it in the zone too. Yeah. It's, like, not, it's not good when they're getting zone time against yeah. you, you know, two on four or whatever. That's doing cycles with a man down. Yeah, that shouldn't be happening <laughs> when they're just playing pong with four guys in the middle. That's not good. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Donoff deserves some credit though. I'm glad he yes. shouted him out because the goals were great. But also, man, having a piece like him on effectively the fourth line yeah. is so – I mean, we talked for years about the Stars needing more depth and needing more scoring and needing another scoring line. And now we're in a situation where he's he's got 12 goals, right? 12 goals. Yeah. Uh, Tavares, you know, has who's making, you know, what, $10 million a year? $11 million, has 15 goals, right, after yeah. one tonight. So he's right in, nipping at the heels of Tavares. He's older than Tavares, too, Dodonov is. And right, he's and a very good salary, minutes. too. Great, great deal. You know, great yeah. guy. Tons of speed. That first goal that he scored uh, just oh. off the wing, turning McCabe, right? Again, Jake McCabe, big, big player in this game. But he turned him inside out with a beautiful move that most fourth liners, you know, you'll see him try, but they're never going to execute. But he's good enough. He's got the skill to do it. And that's that's a huge yeah. luxury for the Stars to have. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the positives of this team is the forward depth, whereas you have a Dodonoff on the fourth line, you have a Delandria that, you know, sits or like tonight, a, a Smith that sits. Um, so you have depth and oh, yeah, if you have a couple of injuries, you have a couple of guys down in the AHL that are doing pretty good. So, you know, if you needed to and you could find the salary space, you could call one of them up and wow. Um, I think stars fans would be excited about that too. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind, kind of interesting. All right. Croy, Corey D tweet says, Gavin, we need more pep in your steps, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that was based on my tweet tonight. Um, you know, <sighs> saying, and, uh, you know, it's hey, one of those, hey, you've been called out. You've been called out. Been right? called out. It's, you know? I mean, he's not blaming the loss all on you, but it, he's not, not doing that either. It sounds like. He, he did like my follow-up tweet, just being real. I tweeted earlier in a very kind way that they yeah. weren't going to win tonight. I'm not going to homer this thing up. Some call it negative. I call it real. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm trying to toe the line. I'm just being absolutely real here. I'm mm -hmm. trying to toe the line of being fair and being honest because I think that's why people like this podcast without sounding overly negative. And I think that's a fine line because sometimes when you say some criticisms, people think, well, you're a hater. And it's like, no, I'm just trying to like be real and, and give you my thoughts. The the other thing I think that you could put in the positive category, I mean, Pete DeBoer isn't going to hear it, but uh, you know, you're going in this, this back-to-back -back right off the break, right? There's some rust and, and all that. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you know, you go 500, right? You take two points out of the road trip. These are Eastern Conference teams, right? Who who really cares how many points they get? Yeah. It's not it's not like the Stars are going to be facing the Leafs in the playoffs. Let's let's right. be real here. Um, 
it's it's if you're going to go, you know, 500, yeah, do it on a back to back. You know, it would have been gravy, right? If they'd gotten anything out of this game tonight, and and it's frustrating. It's that much more frustrating because they could have, they really could have, if the PK had had just helped them out, or for that matter, if the power play had scored another goal. Um, but all things considered, you know, they fixed their start, right? That's one thing that's been said a lot in the the game against Buffalo yesterday, right? Their start was abysmal in the first period in in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, credit to them. They came out really strong in this one against a really good team um, and and looked really good and you know didn't didn't go their way, especially on the PK and that quick 20 second you know burst of two goals. but there's yeah. there's good to take out of this, even though the coaches you know can't afford to really stop and focus on the good. I think it's worth as a fan kind of looking at the bigger picture a little bit and saying, you know, you've been asking for the team to show a lot of things and and they showed some of that tonight. There's other stuff they showed you didn't like, but they right. They did show that they can they can crank it up in the first against good teams, and that's not nothing. Yeah, and I understand. Um, like when some someone tweeted, wasn't really a question, but they said if this if the stars you know losing to the Leafs mean that the Leafs will once again be embarrassed in April, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but only thing I'm going to say, and they very well could get an exit in the first round. That said, I don't want to play this team. In the playoffs, like it's just I understand the history and I understand everything, but this is a team that could go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not saying they will, but they are dangerous. Like this is a team that you just look up and down and you look at some of the vets on defense. The questions goaltending, but you know at the same time it's like, well, I mean you know who knows, but you know they're there and they have a lot of firepower. It'll it'll depend on how far their best players can get them. Yes. And their best players are really good. But you know, as Connor McDavid showed for for years, right? You can have an amazing and Leon Dreisaitl, to be fair, you can have a fantastic, you can have the very best players at the top of your lineup, two of the top five players in the world in, in at the top of your lineup. Um, and Austin Matthews is in that group too. Uh, you can have those players there, but they can only drag you so far. And and the Leafs, especially, you know, there are a lot of questions in goaltending, right? Samsonov looks okay right now. But he was, you know, on the verge of he had they gave him like a mental break, right, to just reset his game completely because they were ready to wave him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's there's been a lot of questions. The defense is, you know, veteran, but it also, you know, doesn't have. They've got Morgan Riley, and then they've got a lot of other, you know, reliable pieces and guys who've gotten banged up and stuff. And Timothy Lilgren, who, you know, is always kind of in. He's kind of their Niels linguist that the coaches always seems to be looking for a reason to. To scratch so they've got their flaws too but uh yeah the, they're just about the last team i would want to face uh especially because it seems like you know the spotlight shines really brightly when we're playing Toronto. heck yeah 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 we don't need that no two more questions for robert uh carson moore checks in and he says why does the club coaching insist on scratching nils i understand he makes mistakes but i feel like his mistakes rarely directly lead to ga goals against mm-hmm. meanwhile i watch yanni consistently making similar mistake to nils that do lead to goals yanni's misplay of the pk today cost them a point so i think they have different roles i'll just say mm-hmm. that carson but i'll also let uh robert take it from here as far as the nils versus hanley yeah my my guess this is purely a guess but my guess is that the coaches are thinking, I mean, it's it's pretty common, right? They put Delandria into, I mean, they scratched Craig Smith, right? Which hasn't mm-hmm. which has happened this season, but it hasn't happened a lot. But um, I think they kind of they wanted to get some players into the game after the all-star break. I think they they I think that was their plan. 
uh, going into going into this this set was these guys in this night and then the rest of the lineup on the second game just to like have a you know they, they already had a week off and they don't want guys to have even more than that sitting both nights so i suspect that was kind of the plan all along was to make sure everyone got got one of these games um and i also kind of suspect that they had a little bit of uh nerves around playing lundquist who is you know the defensive side of his game is the one that gets talked about the most um that they had a little bit of nerves around playing him against a top tier offensive team, you know, or at least the top offensive players of Toronto. So I think it was in some ways, a, 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 they're looking for a way to protect Niels a little bit and, and mm -hmm. set him up for success against Buffalo. Um, and then they're also thinking, well, Hanley is, you know, he's been kind of the go-to guy in the playoffs. He can handle playing these good teams in these tough games with a lot of pressure. So let's put him in and see how he does. And, you know, the penalty was unfortunate. He didn't play a lot of minutes. I mean, yeah. Look, the defense is what it is at this point. It is yeah. what it is. So the change needs to happen for everyone to agree it's going to be top tier championship uh, type defense. But I'll say this. If they do go deep in the playoffs with this defense, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool. And there will be some players who will really, really deserve a lot of credit for stepping up because that's what it'll take. And you know what? Players have surprised them before. I mean, who who had John Klingberg getting in fights with Matthew Kachuk going right. into that Calgary series a couple years ago, right? So things can change in the playoffs and players can surprise you. So I, yeah. I agree that, yes, Hawkenpaw doesn't seem like he has too many surprises left in the bag. But for that matter, it doesn't seem like, you know, after a year and a half, Lundqvist has has a next level to his game that he's right on the cusp of just yet. So either change is going to come from somewhere else or one of the guys in-house is going to surprise you. Either way, it'll be interesting. So we saw Thomas Harley come up and be effective last year, but that was a Thomas Harley that was the number one defenseman on the Texas Stars, playing a lot of minutes, getting a lot of leadership quality, learning from veterans like Curtis McKenzie um, down in Cedar Park. Wild card, he might not be ready. Um, but, you know, rather than go out and spend a first-round pick, I mean, if it's a mid-round pick, okay, unless you're getting someone with, a you know, maybe a year left like a Carlson, but... Bixel, it's interesting. It well, might be too early. It might be. It also depends on like playoffs for him and stuff too. And yeah. also, I mean, I, I, I just kind of reading the tea leaves. As much as the stars are always going to say, you know, yes, we knew this was always a possibility. I don't. Well, I don't even think you have to read tea leaves. I think it's pretty clear the stars would have preferred for him to be in Cedar Park, where they yes. can drive down on an off day and watch him play. Yeah. Uh, so this is not ideal for them. So uh, they just they can't see his development as closely, which means there will be less of a comfort level for them, first and foremost, in throwing him into Great a point. situation like the end of the season in the playoffs. Whereas with Harley, they could see every day, you know, of course, they can always look at tape, but there's something different from being able to talk to your coaches, yeah. right, in your different organization too. and yeah, tell me where is he at. Yeah, yep. different ice, right, different size, uh, just knowing he can handle that sort of dynamic and that pressure. Um, so I'd I'd be pretty shocked. I. I, with Harley, it was very clear that they have this mission to accomplish, his defensive play in a couple of specific areas. They want to shore that up, play him on the penalty kill, and just force him to, to be a really strong defenseman from, from the back end on out. And it's just been amazing, right? With Bixel, I think there's a little bit more cooking that they still want to see, as good yep. as he is. And even if it's happening, they're not going to be seeing it as firsthand. So I wonder about their comfort level more than I wonder about his development. Yeah. Are you at the point? I'm kind of at the point. I talked to Sean uh, about this the other day on Spits and Suds that I personally want those three to be in Dallas. Not like right now, but I'm saying I don't want to trade those pieces. I need I need to see them. I at this yeah. point, I'm seeing 
and hearing too many good things. I just don't think it's worth mortgaging the future, even if that means an exit. I get it. But to me, that's your future. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I, just, I, I need to keep them. That's my that's me. Unless you're giving me something that unless you're giving me a new and but even that new and I mean, they were so close. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about this before we went on the air. That's Craig. Craig brought that up in the podcast when new and entered the room. It was almost like everyone stood at attention. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was like, here we go. Let's go. So I know the current players don't care about prospects coming up. They want to win now, especially the Jamie Benz and Tyler Sagans as they, you know, get up there in years or the, even the Pavelskis and the Duchesnes. Mm-hmm. But just, just a thought. I mean, I just don't want to kill yeah. what looks to be a bright future. No, and that's good asset management. That's good. Jim Nill, one, one of the things I always give him a lot of credit for is that as much as he's, you know, decided to be more aggressive at some times and, and you know, acquire a rental player, I mean, Matt Zuccarello, mm-hmm. right? Um, there have been other times where he's made it really clear that he's not a GM who's not planning to be here in three years, right? So who cares about that pick? I won't be around for that and for us not to have that pick anyway. So yeah. it's not going to affect my job. You know, he's been with the stars you know, over a decade now. And, and that takes, frankly, it just takes a lot of integrity to, to manage an organization that way. It takes a lot of trust, takes a lot of confidence in, in, from ownership, but he's borne that out, right? They've, they've really turned around. I mean, think of the prior 10 years before he came here. And then the next 10 years, it's been night and day in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a couple good years in that kind of, you know, uh, 03 to 2013 period. But overall, it, you know, it's been a lot more fun in the last decade. And I think he's, I mean, he's even said it. And actually what's even more noteworthy is that Pete DeBoer said it in a post-game conference a few games back that he's excited about the guys, or maybe it was a morning skate. I can't remember. It was an interview and DeBoer mentioned specifically about Stankoven and Maverick Bork down in Cedar Park about he, how he, yeah, we've been really healthy, which, you yeah. know, is kind of a bad thing in some ways because we'd love to see those guys and give them a chance. And it's rare that you see a coach talk about how he'd love to see the, the, the kids down in the AHL come up and play because normally he's focused on the guys who are there. So I think right. that tells us that that they really want it too. They want these kids. They love these players, and they want to know exactly what they have because they might need them in the playoffs, right? If you get a couple injuries, they would be the next guys up. And you'd like to know what you have. You know, there's only 30 games left in the season or so. Uh, yeah. you, you want to know what you've got. It's not quite a Harley situation where they've gotten a little taste already of the NHL. These are these are you know younger players. They're not big players either, right? So that's a question mark still that right. we kind of forget about with all their numbers. That these are these are not big players, so that's always going to be a question mark for coaches. Can they handle the NHL? Yeah. Uh, and finally, as far as the questions, uh, Chris Barnard asks: When you see games like this, does it give you pause in lieu of the postseason and the potential opponents the Stars may face? I'm not concerned about their depth, but rather their ability to battle adversity and play in physical contests. Is my eyeball test off? Robert may have a different opinion. Um, I don't think, although people might disagree with you, Chris, I would say uh, my eyeballs, you know, are certainly headed in that direction as well. I am questioning physicality as the shrink, as the rink shrinks in the playoffs. Um, That said, I do think the stars have the ability to be more physical, whether they want to do it as another situation. Um, we had we did see in the playoffs last year they were physical, especially you know against Minnesota. That was a very physical series. Um, so we'll we'll see. I think it all depends on the matchup. Uh, if it ended today and let's say the Stars stay in first, they 
play St. Louis. And I think that's a very good matchup for the Stars. I think Winnipeg's a good matchup for the Stars, despite them having Hellebuck and, you know, some other great players. I don't think Colorado's a good matchup. And I don't know about you, Robert, but haven't been a fan of the Nashville games this year either. So I think there are some, you know, there. It, I really do think it depends. Like, all right, let's see who they play. I mean, but the good news is, is we know unless there's just a catastrophic collapse that this team is going to be in the top three. Yep. And, you know, think back to last year, they, in a lot of ways, you know, they got great opponents. They didn't finish the season in first place, but they played Minnesota and Seattle. And a lot of people wouldn't have even had Seattle making the playoffs at the start of last season. Um, so to get Seattle in the second round, you know, you, you would say that's a charmed, you know, path to, to the Stanley cup playoffs, right. Or to the Stanley cup final, right. To get a team like Seattle in the second round and that series went seven games. So you, you can't ever really, you know, be sure about how a series is going to go. Cause by the time you get to the playoffs, a, you know, the trade deadline has come and gone. And so some changes have happened and B, like you said, things change when, when the playoffs start, some things are the same, right? I think broadly speaking, a team that's really good in the regular season doesn't become a terrible team in the playoffs, but some weaknesses that they were able to cover with other areas, maybe, maybe it's harder to cover over those areas because they're playing good teams every night now. This isn't a case where they can drop some points against good teams and make them up against some mediocre teams. You're playing a good team every night in those series. Yeah. Um, and I think the stars match up well with, with most teams. That's one of the advantage of them is that they're not, they're not quite like a New Jersey team where they're really built on speed to, to the degree where that uh, a couple injuries really kind of hurts them a lot and slows them down. They can play a lot of different types of teams. But yeah, I, I don't think Colorado is an ideal matchup for them. And, and in terms of physicality, I mean, it's like we've seen with Vegas last year and even this year. Um, Vegas has size, but, you know, as Mason Marchman or, or even, you know, Hockenpah will show you, size is great if you're standing next to the crease mm -hmm. battling for a puck. That's great. And you need players like that at that time. But size is a lot less useful if you can't gap up, right? If you're a defenseman, if you have to keep a really big gap because you're too slow and you know the guy could blow by you, so you have to keep a big gap and that gives him more space when entering the zone. If you can't close down or you can't catch up or back check fast enough to use your size, then it's not really as much of an advantage. Any more than Niels Lundqvist's great shot is a big advantage if he can't create good shooting lanes to use it. Yeah, I, I think they, you know, if they can, some grittiness uh, would be a nice addition as well. And I think Domi added that last year in the playoff run. And I actually think Dodonov worked really well in the corners too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's strong. He's, re he's sneaky strong. That's true. Absolutely. I wanted to end on a positive note tonight um, and give a lot of credit to the Stars organization. Today was National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And throughout the day on Twitter, the Stars highlighted um, several of North Texas young ladies who are thriving in the sport of hockey. And they have thrived based on the Dallas Stars and coming to town and the various rinks. And Allie Simpson, who plays for Colgate, was certainly one of them um, as she looks to play women's uh, professional hockey. And then there was a great story. And I'm not saying it for self-promotion of spits and suds. But one of the things that we try to do is spread the game um, as far as learning and just spreading the great game of hockey and DFW. And one of the interviews we did last year was of Hannah Bilka. Hannah is of Capel. And a great um, listener and supporter of youth hockey, Tanner Wilson, actually gave me the heads up. And she was playing for Boston College. I reached out to Boston College. 
Um, Hannah joins us. And after the interview, uh, she was great. And she was a massive Dallas Stars fan. I wrote a nice email to the Dallas Stars and said, you have a woman that is playing for Team USA. How great would it be to feature Hannah, like have her in the stands with a USA sweater and just have her featured um, so that young girls in the audience can see, wow, I can be like that to do. Uh, too well today hannah was featured and she'll be featured on the scoreboard so massive stick tap to the dallas stars for following up and they did a great seven minute piece on the rise of hannah from capel to playing in dallas leagues with boys to to playing for shattuck in minnesota to going to boston college for playing for team usa and the olympics and the world championships to now playing at ohio state finishing um her career and she will be uh, one of the top draft picks in women's hockey uh, next year. So kudos to the stars for highlighting um, some of these young ladies on such a wonderful day. So Robert, you are a beast. I want everyone to fall Robert Tiffin at Robert Tiffin. You always do great things, man. Love promoting your stuff. And thank you for joining us tonight, man. Really, really appreciate uh, your breakdown despite the loss. I don't know what your win loss record is, as far as coming on spits and suds, but as far as I'm concerned, unless someone can go back. No, I don't want to see those analytics. No, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so your counterpart, David Castillo will join us next week. Any dirt you'd like to throw his way, sir. Uh, he, he, uh, still owes me some tacos. I'm pretty sure he said he was going to make me some tacos and I'm still waiting. So, uh, you know, certain Ridiculous. point, guy has to just decide to fend for himself and just go get some barbecue or something. So. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. There's, yeah. there's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, man, it's got to have a code. And if you promise tacos, you got to find tacos. So. I mean, things happen when you come on Spits and Suds. You know, Hannah Bilka, Sean Shapiro is now a big movie star. I mean, these things happen. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, thank you once again. Always great uh, for Thanks, you Gavin. to join the post game shows. So for Robert Tiffin, I'm Gavin Spittle. Just a heads up, we'll talk to two time Stanley Cup winner. Craig Ludwig, and we'll share some laughs. I uh, went out to the alumni game and watched Craig play. So uh, we will talk to Craig tomorrow about this back-to-back, -back, um, as well as a bunch of other things with your uh, favorite Luds and one of your favorite all-time Dallas stars. That'll be tomorrow on Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great night, everyone.